Last words. Last words in movies have often ranged from being extremely comical to very sort of serious and sad. And some last words have even been cut off, leaving us to guess what the person who was passing was trying to communicate in their final moments. This, there's, this is often some massive reveal for a major plot point that the protagonists themselves must uncover due to the unfortunate passing of the wise person who's going to be on with the Lord. Now, for you, if you could plan out your famous last words, what would they be? If you could plan out your famous last words, what in the world would they be? So the good news is that our great wise sage, he got a chance to finish his last words as he's departed and he left us with the commission. And that commission was a charge that was given by a higher authority to his apostles, which are people that were sent out with a special message and his disciples. Those famous last words are housed in a number of different places in the New Testament, and they have been given the title, the Great Commission. So in this commission, the risen and glorified Lord Jesus left us with the task, which was to go out and to make disciples of all people in all nations, to go out and make disciples of all peoples in all nations. We are, continue the, we are to continue the work the Lord Jesus began, but this begs the question, what does it mean to be a disciple? So in order to make disciples, you and I must first be disciples. There have been many explanations as far as what being a disciple of the Lord Jesus means, but here at Element, we're going to take our own stab at it. Now, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Fred Gallup, a.k.a. the pastoral resident or the president here at Element. And I'm delighted and considered an honor to spend my Sunday worshiping the Lord with you. Now, again, I love my people who are already believers. But for those of you who don't believe the same things that we do, we just want to send a special shout out to you for even taking the time to humor us and hear the message of the gospel. We love you regardless of what you believe, and we invite you to continue on with us. You know, we of course, we want you to be drawn in with the love of God through the preaching of the, uh, the message of the Christ, but we love you regardless of what your decision is going to be. So we just want to say thank you for spending your time with us. So, for an overview, as you can guess, we're going to be spending our next amount of time talking about the topic of discipleship over the next few weeks. However, we're going to be taking an entirely different route to get there. So for those of you who know me, you know I am a huge fan of taking us and placing us in the Bible so that we can see and we can hear things firsthand because it means so much more when you can see yourselves in the scriptures. So what we want to do is understand the context of why something was written. So we're going to be looking at the concept of a first century disciple, a first century Jewish Christian disciple to see what perspective they had and what we can take from that and apply to our own lives. What we're going to be dealing with is the ugly realities and the beautiful promises of what it meant to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. 
from a first century perspective. Again, putting ourselves in their shoes. And it's going to be an uncomfortable look um, with many different aspects to it. So, ladies and gentlemen, discipleship itself is not a comfortable task. So if you come here looking for like a comfortable message, this is not going to be it. These next few weeks, we're talking about placing a demand on ourselves as we follow the Lord Jesus. So I forewarn you. Some of the topics that we're going to be talking about are going to be difficult, but it's going to challenge us to the glory of God as we let the word of God transform us into who the Lord wants us to be. So throughout today's message, we're going to be utilizing the New Living Translation of the Bible. So with that being said, let's dig into the word of God. So our main scripture for today is Mark, actually for the whole series, is Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Take it from the New Living Translation. It says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he says, if any of you wants to be my follower or be my disciple, you must give up your own way, which means to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Again, if anybody wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. So the big question for today is, what is a disciple? That's going to be the big question for this whole series. So anyone who has ever heard me speak knows that my favorite saying when preaching and interpreting scripture is that context determines meaning. Again, context determines meaning. So in order for us to have a way forward over these next few weeks, we must establish the context of what Jesus is about Jesus' statement here. Context is important to understand the principle of exegesis. I'm going to give you some big words as we're going to be talking with each other. But exegesis. So exegesis is the proper interpretation of a text exegesis, the proper interpretation of a text. It is impossible to understand what the Bible is trying to communicate without first establishing proper context. And without this context, we're going to walk away with something completely different than what the Bible is actually trying to communicate. And that is what we like to call eisegesis. So eisegesis is interpreting a text by putting our own thoughts Onto the text. We want to avoid this at all costs. And the reason why I'm bringing these topics up to you is that today is going to be almost a Bible study so we can really set the foundation of what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. So in order to understand that context, we have to read up a few verses to understand why Jesus said this. So with that, go to Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Just a few verses before this. So It says, then Jesus began to tell them that the son of man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter, (laughs) good old Peter, he took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples. Then he reprimanded Peter, saying, get away from me, Satan. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view. 
but not from God's. So there is so much to unpack here. So much context, to, it's so much context to explore as we lay the foundation of what we're going to be discussing moving forward. So what are these terrible things that the Son of Man will suffer? How could he be rejected by the religious leaders who were waiting for the, 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 the coming of the Messiah? Why in the world did Peter rebuke Jesus? And why did Jesus turn around and rebuke Peter so harshly? And how, lastly, how in the world does all this fit into the concept of discipleship? I know you're asking these questions. Now, I know I'm supposed to be preaching, but again, we have to do a bit of a Bible study in order to fully understand what we, what we need going forward from here. So, just to give you a little bit of context here, a little bit more, this portion of Mark lies directly in the middle of his gospel, and it serves as the segue between Jesus presenting himself as a miracle worker and a teacher, and then it shifts to him speaking more about his death and other difficult teaching matter. So Jesus was in the Galilean wilderness, and he had just finished feeding the 4,000, which is different from the story about him feeding the 5,000. He had just finished healing a blind man and doing other sorts of teaching and having interactions with religious leaders. This chapter also houses one of the most important declarations from Peter about Jesus, that he was truly the Messiah, Peter recognized in this chapter that Jesus was the Messiah. And this is one of the first times that a person, one of his followers, actually called him a Messiah in the text. But now Peter <laughs> was looking forward to the Messiah that the Hebrew Bible said that he would be. Contextually speaking, Peter was looking for Jesus to offer something different than Jesus was intending to do the first time he came. Ethnically speaking, Peter was very much so Jewish. And as a matter of fact, Peter was from the same tribe of Israel that Jesus himself was from, which was the tribe of Judah. Peter was a true Jew of Jews, so he interpreted everything about the Messiah from a very, very Jewish perspective. All Jews had a messianic hope based on the prophecies from the Hebrew Bible or what we call the Old Testament. And this is how they thought the Messiah would arrive. Let's look at Daniel chapter 7. This is what they were envisioning in their mind's eye when they saw the Messiah coming. So the prophet Daniel says, As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming, from the, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one, which is God, and he was led into his presence. He was giving authority honor and sovereignty over all nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never, ever end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. So the gospel of Mark Although being the third gospel is actually the first chronological gospel ever written. Again, I know it falls third in the canon of Scripture, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I'm sorry, second in the, can in the canon of Scripture, Matthew and Mark. It is the first ever gospel that is ever written. It has the earliest date of composition. And because of this fact, this death prediction is the first time Jesus would ever do this in the whole of the New Testament. This was his first death prediction. But as you can see, Jesus' response of actually dying was extremely problematic to the Jewish person who had an expectation of a conquering Messiah. 
To further complicate things, the Jewish people, they were under occupation in their own land from the oppressive Roman Empire. If you know anything about historical Rome, you know that they were some bad people. So rather than having a government ruled by God's law, which was a constitution that made them God's people back when we talked about this for Pentecost, they had a government led by oppressive uncircumcised Gentiles who practiced a foreign religion and wanted them to do the same thing. To make matters even worse, the Jewish people had gone from one oppressive ruler to the next oppressive ruler to the next oppressive ruler because God was trying to get their attention. And this all happened in subsequent fashion. And now here was Rome. They went from being exiled in other lands in what's called the Jewish diaspora or them being sent out because they disobeyed God's law. And then they were, they were now brought back into their own land, but they were ruled by somebody else other than God. This was God's chosen people, yet he made them subject to rulership from godless people. This was not supposed to happen in their eyes. So what the people of Israel and Judah were looking for was for the Messiah to be the one sent from God to make his enemies, which was supposed to be their enemies, their footstool. So this was Peter's hope for Jesus. Jesus, this is what I want for you to do, Lord. I want you to fix my dilemma. Don't worry about changing my character, Jesus. Don't, don't worry about working on me from the inside out. Don't worry about making me a disciple, but make me, make us, the people of Israel, your chosen people, make us above all people, just as the Old Testament order of the Bible said that we would. Give me what God promised me. How dare you talk about dying when you haven't fulfilled my expectations of you? I want prosperity, Jesus. I don't want inward transformation. I want prosperity. I want to feel good and I want to be above all things. Don't try to change me, Lord. You cannot die because you have not fulfilled your promise to me. That's what Peter in my mind's eye was saying. That's how he was rebuking Jesus. And Jesus, how dare you talk about being rejected by the religious leaders of our day? They are our eyes and ears. They're the ones that we trust. They're the ones who have been watching for your coming, reading the scriptures, interpreting the signs. How dare you talk about being rejected by them? If you're rejected by them, should we even listen to you? How in the world could they Experts in the scriptures possibly oppress you. You're the Messiah. How could you be oppressed? Jesus, are you truly the Messiah? You're talking about dying and being rejected. You're supposed to come down from heaven and slay all of our enemies and set us ahead of everybody. So the problem is that the Jews miss key scriptures from the exact same book of the Bible, the exact same book, y'all, that book of Daniel that talks about the Messiah's death. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 26. So it's going to be a lot of information in this, but we're going to just highlight a couple key points. It says, a period of 70 sets of seven has been declared, been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion. And then this is the important part, to put an end to sins, end to sin, atone for their guilt, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision and to the anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand, seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, which is the anointed one in Greek, in Hebrew, that's Mashiach or Messiah. In Greek, that's the Christ comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt 
with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. And after this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one, you see this right here for yourself, right? The anointed one would be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. They, the end will come with the flood and war and miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. So regard the human point of view that Jesus spoke about, the flesh only wants what feels good to it. However, God himself had an entirely different plan altogether. The promised deliverance for God's people would come through the Messiah, but in a very different form than they had anticipated, although it was in the scriptures all along. And that was going to be through his rejection and his suffering. Before the Messiah could ever be the one to fortify Israel and strengthen her borders, he had to first be their sacrifice. So before fortification, there had to be a sacrifice. And the Hebrew people missed this for years, even still to this very day. God's chosen people missed out on God's plan of redemption because of their own nationalistic cry. Look at Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 5. It says, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and we looked the other way. He was despised, but we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment for God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we, you and I, could be whole. Now I want to show you a quick video, so take a look to see how this is true even still to this very day. יש פרק אחד בתוך הספר הזה, שבעצם היו מקריאים אותו בבתי הכנסת בעבר, ואז הרבנים החליטו להוציא את זה מההפטרה. היום זה נחשב הפרק האסור. האם שמעת על זה עוד פעם? לא שמעתי. האם את רוצה לראות מה נסתר בפרק הזה? יש לך את זה? יש לי פה בתנ"ך. אני רוצה לדעת כמה שיותר על זה, האמת היא. בעצם בגלל זה אנחנו עושים את התוכנית הזאת, כי רוב האנשים לא קראו את הפרק הזה בכלל, כי לא, לא קוראים את זה עוד בבתי הכנסת. הפרק הוא ישעיהו נ"ג, נבואה מאוד חשובה על מי המשיח יהיה, ולמשך 1,700 שנים, מאז שהוא כתב את זה, כמעט כל הרבנים וחז"ל האמינו שזה פרק שמדבר על המשיח. בעצם גם בתלמוד, בסנהדרין צ"ח, גם ילקוט שמעוני, הזוהר, הרמב״ם, האמינו שהפרק הזה מדבר על המשיח. אז עכשיו אנחנו מגיעים לקטע הכי כיפי, שאנחנו נקרא כמה קטעים מאותו פרק ונראה על מה זה מדבר. זה וחדל אישים, איש מחובות וידוע חולי, וכמסתר פנים ממנו נבזה ולא חשבנו הוא. היה בזוי ודחוי על ידי בני אדם, איש שידע כאבים ומחלות, הוא היה כמו אדם שמסתירים ממנו את הפנים, בזוי וחסר ערך בעיניהם. שזה מדבר העניין הזה על, על המשיח. זה חזק מאוד. אדם ש... 
כמו שכתוב, בזוי ודחוי על ידי החרפה. העם שלנו היה משוכנע שהוא שלילי. לא יודע למה. לא קיבלו אותו. דחו אותו. לא חשבנו שהוא היה המשיח. כל אויינו הוא נשא ומכאובנו סבליו. ואנחנו חשבנו הוא נגוע. מוכה אלוהים מעונה. אכן, הוא נשא את המחלות שלנו, סבל את הכאבים שלנו, ואנחנו התייחסנו אליו כמו אל חולה במחלה קשה, שאלוהים גרם לו להיות מושפל ומעונה. הוא לקח את כל הכאב, את כל הסבל ואת כל המחלות עליו. ובכל זאת, אנו דחו אותו. הוא עשה לנו טוב ובעצם נתנו לו רע בחזרה. הוא סובל בגללנו, בגלל כל ה... בעצם העבירות שאנחנו עושים, אז הוא סובל את הכאב הזה. הוא נתן לנו מעצמו, הוא סבל בשבילנו, הוא לקח את המחלות שלנו, את כל החטאים שלנו. מעוצר וממשפט לוקח את דורו, מי ישוחח, כי נגזר מארץ חיים, מפשע עמי, נגע למו. וייתן את רשעים קברו, ואת עשיר במותיו, הלא חמס עשה, ולא מרמה בפיו. בפסוק 12 כתוב, תחת אשר הארע למוות נפשו. מה התוצאה של הסבל שלו בסופו של דבר? הוא מת. הוא מת. הוא ימות. עם עשירים. איזה כיף. אני גם רוצה. אז קיצר האשימו אותו על דברים שהוא לא עשה, וקיבל על זה. מעניין. הוא מת, אבל לא מוות עם כבוד. קודם כל, האם זה משהו ששמעת על המשיח, שכל הדברים האלה אמורים לקרות לו? לא. זה לא. יש גם את התיאור הזה, לא רק בפסוקים אלה, אבל גם בסחריה, בדניאל, במקומות אחרים. וגם הרבנים העתיקים הבינו שהמשיח אמור לסבול. והוא מחולל מפשענו, מדוכא מעוונותינו, מוסר שלומנו עליו, ובחבורתו נרפא לנו. כולנו כצאן טעינו, איש לדרכו פנינו, והשם הפגיע בו את עוון כולנו. אבל הוא נפצע בגלל הפשעים שלנו, בגלל החטאים שלנו, הוא שפל, נענש כדי שלנו יהיה שלום. בזכות הפצע שלו נרפאנו. כולנו עבדנו כמו צאן, כל אחד מאיתנו פנה לדרכו, אבל אדוני הטיל את האחריות על החטאים של כולנו. As you can see, God's plan of redemption involved death. There is no getting around this. We cannot side skirt this. We cannot take a shortcut around this. God's plan of redemption involved death. The Messiah had to suffer and die. Peter, in his very human perspective, missed all of this, as did most Jews. They missed it because of everything that they were going through. See, so many times you and I, we judge God based on our circumstances. I'm going to say that again. So many times you and I, we judge God, we judge the Lord Jesus based on our circumstances, oftentimes circumstances that we've placed ourselves into. And we judge him for not responding the way that he wanted to, but he has a plan of redemption. He had a plan of redemption all along. Jesus had God's plan in mind as he knew that he was headed for the cross. So for application, how does all of this, everything that you said, preacher, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but how in the world does all this pertain to me? How does this pertain to discipleship? Well, I'm glad you asked that. And to be a disciple means to be a follower of Jesus. 
which means to surrender our own lives over to his authority and to follow him in all things. We cannot say, you know what, Lord, I'll let you be the Lord of my life here in this pocket or in this aspect of my life. No. We're surrendering everything over to the Lord Jesus. That's the cost. That's the call of being a disciple. In first century Israel, this discipleship meant to be willing to give up all things, face rejection, be disowned by families, even up to the point of being delivered by your own family members up to the point of death. It was not restricted. Here's the thing. They went through all that. But for oftentimes for us, which I'm not saying this is not discipleship, so please don't misunderstand me. Discipleship was not merely restricted to church attendance, singing Christian songs, being quote unquote good people or Bible reading as this was considered to be the norm for the Hebrew believer. The things that we consider to be our outward expression of great Christian faith was the absolute baseline. (laughs) That was the norm. That's what the Hebrew people were fortified on. This was basic biblical behavior as the element of religion was in every part of the Hebrew life. So make no mistake about it, y'all. None at all. Make no mistake. Jesus informed his immediate audience that being his disciple would come with pain. Again, Jesus informed his immediate audience that being his disciple It was going to come with a lot of pain, pain, even to the point of death. Death was a real possibility because this is such a difficult thing to hear. As were many of Jesus's messages, Jesus gave us some step by step instructions on how to get there. Let's look at the theme verse again. Mark chapter eight, verse 34 says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. He said, if anybody, if any of you wants to be my follower or disciple, you must give up your own way. So to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. So three simple steps, y'all. Three easy, just simple steps. And it's going to take us three weeks to unpack all of that. That's how simple this was. So the first one is to deny yourself. Extremely simple, right? means that you forfeit control of your life over to the Lord. You and me, being selfish creatures, say, God, it's no longer about me, but I forfeit everything over to you. Simple, simple. The second step is to take up your cross, meaning that you both figuratively die to yourself and you are willing to give up your life for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Simple, being willing to die to self, and even face physical death for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And lastly, to follow him. Follow him wherever in the world he chooses to lead you, which can only happen after you deny yourself and take up your cross. (laughs) Following Jesus is not as simple as it sounds, but that's how we make it seem. So those three steps right there, deny self, take up cross, and follow me. So all of this is directly opposed to what Peter envisioned when he imagined the Messiah's first advent, advent meaning the first time the Messiah came through the person of Jesus the Christ. 
So Peter, like the rest of us, he was fleshly and selfishly motivated. He had this idea of what Jesus should do for him. And apart from the grace of the Lord, he would have missed out on what Jesus would soon actually, just three years later, walking with the Lord, would soon actually do for him. Much like you and I, had Jesus given the kingdom of heaven to the Hebrew people in their non-redeemed state, they would have messed everything up. I know a lot of people ask the question, it's like, what about other religions, so on and so forth? Listen, we have to be redeemed or else in our sinful state, if we're not glorified and transformed to be like the Lord Jesus in all things, especially when he comes back to rescue us, we in our sinful state are going to ruin everything. This is why the Messiah had to come and he had to come and die first to make atonement, which is the forgiveness of sins and which enables us to be born again and led by the spirit of God in order for us to be actual disciples of his. So with Peter, it still took him some time to get it right. It was some ups and it was some downs. It was some failures and it was some successes, just like with our own lives. But spoiler warning, Peter, he actually turned out okay. As far as his relationship with the Lord Jesus, he actually got it. And this is what it looks like when a Hebrew person who is steeped in the scriptures of God, who understands what Isaiah 53 means, who understands what the book of Ezekiel is, who understands what Daniel chapter 9, Daniel chapter 7. This is what it looks like when the people of God, the Hebrew people, this is what it looks like when they get it. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the gospel of the Lord Jesus straight from the mouths of Hebrew people, caveat, from the Old Testament. I understand שכל החטאים וכל הדברים הרעים וכל העונש הכבד, אלוהים כאילו הכניס את זה באדם אחד. אז על, על כל אחד מאיתנו לשאול, האם יש בי חטא? האם אי פעם גנבת משהו? אפילו משהו קטן או משהו להוריד משהו מהאינטרנט שלא שייך לך? או... מי לא? למשל, האם אי פעם שיקרת? כן. בוודאי, כל אחד משקר. <laughs> גם, גם אני, אני לא זכאי בזה. האם אי פעם חמדת? כן. ברור,אני...חוטא גדול. וגם לפי התנ״ך, כל המחשבות וגישות הרעות שלנו, כמו הנוחיות או הגאווה או כל הדברים כאלה, הם גם נחשבים ללכת. אז אם למשל אנחנ
אין מישהו שלא. אבל יש גם חדשות טובות. כי אלוהים הוא לא רק שופט, הוא גם אבא שאוהב אותנו. ולכן הוא נתן בתורה את המערכת הקורבנות. הקורבן היה לוקח על עצמו את החטאים של אותו בן אדם. כתוב שהקורבנות יפסקו, ושבמקום הקורבנות שהיו, אלוהים ישלח בן אדם שיקרא המשיח. שיקח על עצמו את כל החטאים. בדיוק, וזה מה שקראנו עכשיו. אלוהים נתן לנו בתנ״ך תיאור מאוד ספציפית של מי המשיח יהיה כדי שנזהה אותו ולא נפספס אותו. וכמובן זה מאוד קריטי שנדע מי הוא הבן אדם הזה, כי בלעדיו אין לנו את הכפרה והסליחה כדי שהוא ייקח את החטאים שלנו. כתוב בדניאל פרק ט' שהוא חייב לבוא לפני חורבן בית המקדש השני. אז בעצם זה היה בשבעים לספירה. אז המשיח היה חייב לבוא לפני זה, לפי התנ״ך. כתוב גם במיכה ה' שהמשיח הזה ייוולד בבית לחם. וגם כתוב בישעיהו, מה שקראנו עכשיו, ישעיהו נ"ג, שהעם שלנו נדחה אותו בהתחלה, ושהוא יסבול וימות. וכתוב בפסוקים אחרי זה, אחרי שהוא ימות הוא יקום לתחייה, ואז כתוב שגויים רבים יקבלו אותו, והם יכירו את אלוהי ישראל. בגללו. אז עכשיו, מהתיאורים הללו, מהתנ״ך, יש מישהו בהיסטוריה שהגשים את הדברים האלה? אני uh, לא יודעת. לא, לי לא ידוע. לך ידוע? יש מישהו שהגשים את זה? לא, לא שאני חושב. יכול להיות שיש, ותגיד לי עכשיו, אני לא אעקן, אבל עכשיו לא עולה לי לראש. ישו. שמע, שוב אני חייב להזכיר שאני לא מאמין בזה בכלל, אבל לפי הסיפורים וכל מה ששמעתי, כן, זה מתאים לישוע. עשו ממנו איש קטן על איש גדול, שהוא בעצם כן עשה מעשים טובים, והוציאו אותו בדיוק ההפך. תראה, אני מאמין שישוע, שבא לפני חורבן בית המקדש, שהוא הגשים את אלה בדיוק, הוא בא לפני שבעים לספירה, הוא נולד בבית לחם, שהעם שלנו דחה אותו, הוא סבל ומת, אבל הוא קם לתחייה. היו חמש מאות אנשים יהודים שראו אותו חי אחרי שהוא מת, והם כתבו עליו. וגם כמובן הגויים קיבלו אותו באפילו מיליארדים והמשיח אמר, אני אקח את זה על עצמי, אני, כל הסבל והעונש שהיה מגיע לכם, אני אקח את זה על עצמי. אבל כדי לקבל את זה, אנחנו חייבים לעשות מה שהיו עושים אז. מתוודים על החטאים, מצטערים עליהם, להתחייב לא לעשות אותם עוד, וגם להאמין ולהעביר את החטאים שלנו עליו. רק אם אנחנו נאמין באותו משיח ו- ונקבל אותו, אז, אז הוא יקבל את כל, כל החטא שלנו uh, על עצמו. לא נראה לי ששמעתי את הדברים האלה בגלל שהנושא מגיע לישו. כבר uh, יש כזה מחסום שלא רוצים אפילו לחשוב על זה. לא, לא רוצים uh, לפתוח את הראש, להיות... Uh, באמת, להביא לזה מחשבה קצת. זה... לא יודע, מסתכלים עליו כאילו... כן, כמו ש... כתוב בפסוק הזה, שדחו אותו. The first time you're hearing this gospel message, or if you've heard it before, the Lord loves you. 
He loves you. But the problem with us is, is that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us. And since we have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, the Bible teaches us that the payment for that sin is actually death. We deserve to die and be separated from God from all eternity. But it says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we sin. God loves us. We sin. We fail. But he gave us his free gift of salvation. So how do I make this apply to my life? It's simple. Romans chapter 10. It says if we would simply believe it in our heart and confess it with our mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we will be saved from our sins. We will be born again and given a new nature by God. So if that is you, I'm just going to pray this prayer with you as we bring, start this brand new fellowship with the Lord Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for the time that we've spent together today. Lord, we thank you for the things that we've seen and we thank you for what we've heard. God, we glorify you and we give your name all honor and praise. Lord, as we depart from this service, Lord God, but never from your presence, we ask that you rest in us, that you rule over us, and that you continuously make your home with us, Lord. We give your name glory for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace and be blessed.